Hey podcast, just before we get you to this episode, I wanted to invite you to join us at pageantlaunch.com. We are starting the world's first dedicated pageant review site and we want you to join our launch team. All you need to do is put in your email address. It's completely free. We are looking to make the pageant industry safe, transparent, and fair, and we'd love your input on how to do that. So head over to pageantlaunch.com, whack in your email address, and let's get you to this episode. everyone, it's Adrian from The Pageant Project with you, and this is our first interview of the new year, new decade, 2020, with Kristen Ruth, who is Ms. Intergalactic International 2019. Kristen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Excited to be here. It's a pleasure. Now, Kristen, can you give us, I guess, first an insight into who you are and where you are? Because when I got you to send the video in, Obviously, um, you said you were close to being a doctor. You're a therapist, yep. if I remember correctly. Yep. Uh, so the background is often fascinating. So give us an insight into who you are first. Sure, absolutely. Well, again, my name is Kristen Ruth. I'm actually, I reside in uh, San Diego, California currently. Just moved actually a couple a couple months ago. So getting a new territory here. But um, by trade, I'm actually a licensed marriage and family therapist. I have my bachelor's degree in exercise science and sports medicine, my master's in counseling psychology. And I'm finishing my doctorate currently in a dual doctorate of clinical psychology with sports psychology focus. So um, right now I see private practice clients online, but ultimately I'm really moving towards doing positive psychology and motivational um, psychology with organized groups such as sports groups or military. And how did you get involved or interested in that area? Because obviously it sounds like you've gone fairly deep into it. This is not just a passing interest. So how did it all start? (laughs) Yeah, my life has been not a straight line. So we'll put it that way. uh, I initially set out to uh, be a physical therapist or or a doctor. And uh, my whole background growing up was actually in um, pre-professional ballet and dancing. And so I got injured right when I had to make a critical choice in my career of whether or not I was going to go professional dancing or do the college route. And because of that injury, I actually pushed me in over into the medical side of things. So started, you know, working in the sports psychology field, realized that there's so much more to healing than just physical. That's where the mental mm. interest came in. So I switched, switched degrees over in my master's over into counseling, realized in counseling that there's more to healing than just the, the mind. So took a little time off and uh, did some personal training, nutritional studies, mm-hmm. um, massage therapy, and then slowly slowly incorporated wow. back into the overarching degree that I have now that I've been working on for seven years, which is the a PhD in sports psychology, essentially. So it encompasses everything, but it's not been a straight line. <laughs> but that's amazing. I mean, obviously there's a term holistic health, but very often people who, who claim they have holistic health don't have the depth of knowledge that I assume that sure. you would have. So is your ultimate goal, I mean, obviously you put a lot of work into it, is your ultimate mm-hmm. goal to be able to help someone heal no matter what 
the problem yeah. is? Yeah, my my big passion is actually taking people who are who have health and making them even healthier. And what I mean by that is no matter if you're dealing with any any issue under the sun, whether it's medical or, or physical or emotional, is that you still have a foundation that's based in health. Otherwise, you wouldn't recognize that you were distressed. Um, and mm. so it's drawing from that aspect of the health that you do have amplifying it in a positive psychology, um, term basically, and turning that into a strength to be able to draw from for healing. So it's, it's not necessarily getting people back to their baseline, but actually helping people get even stronger than they were before, because you're Mm. able to amplify that, that basic line of health. And in your years of experience, this might be a very difficult question to answer, but I'm fascinated by counsel. I'm a certified life coach myself. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. What, what sort of lessons have you learned about humanity or people oh, or what are the most common yeah. problems or the underlying things that tie everything together? Cause we're all very different, but as humans, we have a lot of similarities. So do you have any sort of observations or lessons that you've learned along the way? Oh, absolutely. So many, but I think the biggest one that I have seen just in, in the more recent, um, years of my study is that we through technology are so interconnected, but emotionally we are so disconnected. And so, you know, we have quick access to anybody. We have quick access to being able to have interviews, you know, over Skype Mm. in a, in a heartbeat from different, different continents even. Um, however, from an emotional aspect, we're still missing the sitting next to, to one another, having a personal, um, relationship, having touch, having that, um, that thing that we actually crave, which is just being in each other's presence energetically. And because of that, since we're, we're so connected, but so disconnected at the same time, mm. our mental health is really suffering. Our social health is, is suffering very much. Um, and we're kind of in a, a in my opinion, a, a scary turning point right now that we, we kind of need to address in order to bring back more yeah. of the interpersonal, um, and true in interaction that we have and that we need. Yeah. Do you, do you have any, uh, opinions, I guess, as to what might remedy that, because there are two schools yeah. of thought. One says that mm-hmm. we need to basically turn social media off so that we can sure. reconnect, but that obviously yeah. has a huge problem for a lot of people. The other one is that social media isn't going anywhere. It's just going to get worse and we need to mm-hmm. find some way where we can have the personal relationships and the social media exist side by side. So do you have any opinions yeah. on that? Absolutely. Well, the, the key is balance regardless, right? In any form of health, it's finding balance in your nutrition. It's finding balance right? It's not just cutting out every junk food under, you know, that, that's available, but mm. it's having it in moderation, right? It's the same thing with any, um, with sleep too, is that we don't want to go long periods of time without sleep. We want to find a balance. There might be a couple of nights where we stay out late, but majority of the time we want to stay pretty consistent. Same goes for social media and for anything that's disconnecting ourselves from mm. our, 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 true health and our true person. So, um, I always tell my clients is that there's nothing wrong with social media, but there's something wrong when it replaces your real life. And so finding that healthy balance of what am I going to use, define what I'm going to use social media for. It might be checking Mm. in on grandma who lives in, you know, three States over or, you know, sharing a recipe in a group or finding actually a social outlet of, of, uh, from an online group, but ultimately is checking yourself to make sure that then you're, you're using those, um, those tools and resources to have a social life in, in person. I mean, this is coming mm. from an online therapist too, where the majority of my practice mm. is actually done online. And so I have to check myself too and, and realize like, all right, I've been in front of the screen all day. Now it's time to actually go connect with people, um, you know, that are, that I can touch. Mm. <laughs> Reminds me of that saying physician heal thyself. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, well, that's a fascinating sort of 
behind the scenes look at you and i could certainly talk for a long time about that because as i said psychology for me is a fascination it underlies everything um sure. but let's let's go to the pageant side of sure. things yeah so tell tell me more about the miss intergalactic international system and how you got involved because as you mentioned it's relatively new for you very new yeah yeah so i'm new to pageantry in general and i'll give you a little backstory on that in a moment but the um, miss intergalactic international is a premier pageant so it, this is actually the first year that it is launching if you will and so um i was uh, picked as a as a representative for my category which is the Ms. category uh the unmarried over 25 category. And um, it, I was really drawn to wanting to represent this title because it is based primarily in uh, in community um, outreach and being involved in your community. So community service is a huge part of the scoring of the pageant. There are the traditional evening gown and swimwear mm -hmm. and, um, and, and interview too, but the real depth of this pageant is that it's encouraging people from all over to, um, to get involved in their communities and then have a passion that they can talk about and bring to the pageant. The um, the theme that the pageant have that that is really focused on is um, anti cyberbullying, which is very appropriate right. to this pageant too, because the preliminaries are done all online. Going back to our, our conversation about you know what we have access sure. to is this pageant is truly available to anybody anywhere because your initial um, competition and submission of your of your your content is based on videos that you produce that you are actually competing in each one of those categories your video that you submit where you talk about your um, your platform interview and then also even evening wear and swimwear is done over video to begin with Wow. Um, yeah. How do you, how do you do, I mean, the interview that, that makes a lot of sense sure. with the video, with the, with what you're wearing, for example, did you have to shoot that yourself or do you, do they organize a day for you to come in? How does that work? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's really interesting because again, the, the, the pageant director really wanted to make this an accessible pageant, not only um, location wise for people, but also financially as well. And so mm. mo most everybody has a phone or access to a phone. And so, um, everything can be done actually over your phone with, uh, there's the pageant walks you through once you're part of the, um, you know, at submitting your, your application, if you will, right. um, it walks you through how to do it, how to look into the camera, what lighting you need, what needs to be in the background, um, giving you cues. There's an app that's used for interview as well, where the questions actually pop up onto the screen and there's a timer oh, wow. so that you're, that you have a lot of interaction with it. Um, there's even a tutorial on how to use a green screen because those are the things that you, you see with, uh, you know, yep. with, them. Um, in TV and movies, but what the mm. pageant director does is after you submit your material with you behind a green screen, which you can either rent or purchase for very cheap on, on Amazon, she mm. goes in and, and puts graphics in and interaction so that you have a lot of, um, a lot of really interesting stuff going on behind you. And it looks really professional. Mm. So each contestant too walks away with a, a fantastic portfolio too, video wise that, um, that's talking about them, but also giving them the experience to learn how to do media over, over the phone or or, or over course. video and do you know what the motivation i mean you mentioned that it it's in its early stages or its first year yeah. do you know what the motivation behind starting this particular pageant was because it sounds quite yeah. different 
Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, the director Joyce is, is a fantastic, fantastic person. She was, um, she's been involved in many pageant systems herself in her, in her competition years. And she has a, a story that's really interesting too, where she dealt with bullying throughout her entire life and, right. um, and even dealing with bullying in the pageant systems and pageant industry mm-hmm. as well. And so she really wanted to do something that would be different that would allow, um, maybe people that are even experiencing bullying or experiencing being timid and, feeling overwhelmed of being initially in, in preliminaries with, you know, 50 other, other women in a room and bring the pageant experience to the person so that they can have that individual control over submitting their material. Um, so that you mm. really capture who they are as opposed to just capturing their anxiety or their overwhelm. So her motivation was, is really based in making the pageant accessible number one, but also providing an opportunity for, for women, um, to be able to express themselves in a way that isn't overwhelming and isn't based purely in competition, but is based in in your self-esteem. Right. Um, And can you give us an insight into what made you decide to enter the world of pageantry to begin with? Because, I mean, it certainly sounds like you have enough going on. So it wasn't like you didn't have anything else to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, in my own self-interest, so as a therapist, I I have to practice really good self-care. And a lot of my day, obviously, is spent um, dealing with other people's problems, other people's emotions, Mm. and and negativity, too. Um, One of my specialties I work with is really severely acute cases. And so acute means uh, we're talking multiple hospitalizations very severe psychiatric conditions and it wears on you after a while. Um, yeah, yeah, it's after, you know, eight, nine hours of that, of, um, feeling, you know, that, wait, I need to kind of do something for myself. And so I set for the past several years, many years now that my, rather than doing a new year's resolution, I do a new year's challenge to myself of saying, you're going to do something that's completely out of your comfort zone that will either scare the crap out of you or make you grow (laughs) one of the, or both one of the two. Probably both. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And so I've, I've challenged myself, um, every year for several years now to, to do just that in the process. I've done things from, uh, learning to shoot a gun to traveling internationally to learning another language, um, to riding a motorcycle and learning how to do that. And I was stumped one year, this was a few years ago, 2016, stumped one year of like, what do I do? And, uh, I was at to lunch with my, my best friend and she's, she's interested in what I'm doing each year too. And she says, well, what are you going to do? I said, I don't know. And she says, we got to do something different than what you did last year, like very opposite end of the spectrum. And, uh, Mm -hmm. last year, I, I, the year before that is, is that's when I got my motorcycle license. And so was riding with the guys and, you know, and, and, uh, and kind of having a a rough and tumble experience of not really caring what my hair looked like underneath a a helmet. So she goes, let's do something super girly enter a pageant. And at that point, you know, I was, I was in my mid thirties and I was like, they don't make pageants for, for women in their mid thirties, not married, all this stuff. And so we started doing some research and realized that there is actually this huge category, the Ms. category, um, that's Hmm. available in a lot of pageant systems. And so, um, so a few weeks or a few months rather before the actual competition, I said, you know what, let's try it. I ordered a dress off Amazon. I, you know, I, I kind of clicked Google of like, how do you do a pageant? (laughs) All these things. And, uh, and had the best time. And that was the uh, Ms. America pageant in 2016. Um, mm-hmm. Based on what I learned, I didn't do very well, we'll put it that way, but based on what I learned is I, I, I had a great time. 
um, I learned so much about even just, you know, makeup and hair and all that good stuff, but really more about how to, um, how to develop my own brand and my own self, because that's something that as a therapist sitting behind a closed door, nobody ever sees me work except for the client. Nobody ever knows, you know, who I actually am because the focus is on the client. And so coming into pageantry of being able to say, this is who I am. This is my brand. This is what I'm passionate about and bringing to the table was a really, really nice, um, change for me. And so the pageant bug kind of bit after that. And I thought I was one and done, but, um, but after Ms. America, then, um, uh, Ms. California Petite USA was, um, was something that I was, I was kind of looking into because I'm very short. I can't tell from sitting down or video, right. But I'm five two. And so that was one of my, my, uh, my, obstacles, if you will, um, with other pageant <laughs> systems is, sure. you know, we'd be in a lineup, everybody's here and here I am. So, so yeah. even in, in five inch heels. So I said, Hey, this is a system that even speaks more to who I am. Um, you know, it's my natural body, my natural height, let's do this. And had another wonderful experience, um, with Miss California Petite USA, went to nationals, uh, placed fourth runner up. And so kind of found where this was, you know, a, a good fit for me. And, um, mm. And so after that, I said, I'm retired. We're good. I don't need to do any more. <laughs> and, and then every, every year I kind of get, uh, you know, poked and, 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 uh, pulled back in. So when the pageant director, uh, reached out to me, um, and said, you know, there's this pageant system, I instantly fell in love with the concept and I said, yep, sign me up. So this is, this is something that I want to represent and really want to be a part of. When, when I've interviewed um, girls who started in pageantry, let's say earlier, for example, when they're teens or even pre-teens or even before that, this is often the case, a lot of them talk about how they've discovered themselves um, or worked on facets of themselves throughout the pageant process, the, the mm-hmm. pageant journey. For yourself, you said you started sort of 35, mid-30s. Yeah. Have yeah. you had those self sort, that self sort of, um, that same sort of learning and self-discovery that maybe the younger women have had through pageantry yourself? Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that I think is the key to pageantry that most people, unless you're involved in it, don't understand Mm. is that it really is, it's not a competition. It's actually a betterment of yourself and, and finding out even in where you're not so strong because we are being scored. And so even when you find out, Oh, I've scored really low in this area, it's not telling you that you're wrong or that you're bad or that you aren't good enough. It's actually telling Mm. you, it's actually telling you, you can either work on this in a new way, or you know what, look at all these other strengths that you have in other categories and let those shine. And so just like I was saying before is I can't change my height. That's going to be something that, you know, works against me in a lot of of (laughs) traditional modeling or pageant roles. Um, however, I scored very high in interview. I scored very high in community service. And those are the two things that I feel are, are most who I am as well. So, mm-hmm. um, so to, to your point of, of, did I grow in the same way that maybe a younger girl would be learning about her strengths and learning about who she is? Definitely. Because I think no matter what age you are and whether you're male or female too, is we all have insecurities and we all think yeah. that we need to be a certain way or, or, or different in order to be accepted. And I found the opposite of actually in pageantry, the, I didn't focus on the areas where I was rejected. I was focused mm-hmm. on the areas where I actually scored really well. And that made me feel really happy. And you said that the community service was one of the parts where you scored really well. So can you give us an insight into your community service and what you did? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Starting back from 2016, I was uh, very active in, um, again, kind of the mental health side of, of volunteering and community service. I have a very strong passion for mental health for uh, first responders. So firemen, policemen, EMTs, people that 
every single day take care of other people very selfishly, uh, selflessly. And um, it's kind of a, an ignored group of, of individuals too, because we look at these men and women as being very strong and, and mm. you know, having it all together, but they carry with them all the traumas that they experience, um, militaries included in that as well. So I'd always been involved in community service and volunteering, but the pageants uh, helped me to create connections to go even deeper into that experience. So the first, um, the first year of my pageants, pageantry um, was really focused on mental health causes that were supporting military and first responders. And through that, I kept making more and more connections. And I was volunteering every single weekend for, for months on end to the point where I actually earned the gold president's uh, volunteerism award for my community wow. service over the year. So that was something I was extremely, extremely proud about. Um, but more so is that the, the connections I made then carried over beyond my pageant experience too. And I'm still involved in some of the, uh, the key nonprofits that, um, that I really find are, are helpful and effective and, and continue to serve with them too. And for the rest of your reign and then mm -hmm. beyond, I mean, what, what goals do you have or what outcomes do you have? And obviously you initially thought you were one and done. That's right. <laughs> clearly not the case. So in terms of pageantry and, and where you see that taking you or leading you, just give us an insight as to how you see the next you know few years or the future sure. planning out. Sure. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping an open mind is what I'll say is that I don't have my eye on a certain system or that I even need to get back on stage or anything like that. But what I do um, know is that I miss the organized aspect of pageantry where the self-discipline of, you know, mm -hmm. that you're really working towards something and, um, and again, the community service aspect too. And so when I, like I said, I just keep getting that bug. So I think in the next few years, I'm focusing on just finishing my doctorate at this point, finishing off mm -hmm. my reign too under this current title, um, continuing my regular community service. But I think that, you know, if, if, and when I ever get married, there might be a Mrs. Division I might want to enter. So <laughs> fair enough. Uh, just in terms of misconceptions, I mean, you entered mm -hmm. a pageant, obviously, as you said, you, you did, you got your dress off Amazon and things like that. Yeah. So it, it sounds like I'm assuming that you weren't super involved in pageantry before you actually got involved with pageantry. Yeah. Yeah. So just in terms of misconceptions, uh, were there any sort of con misconceptions you had about pageantry that you since have eradicated from yourself? Um, definitely. And, and I probably was, um, uh, how do I say this? One of the, the women that, uh, since a lot of my life has really focused on academics, I always kind mm. of push pageantry off as, no, those aren't for the smart girls. Those are for the pretty girls. Exactly. And so yeah. that was my, probably the biggest misconception that I had. When I went into my first pageant, I realized that there are, there's other doctors there. There's, there's women mm. um, from all different cultural backgrounds that have all these different experiences, educational backgrounds, just, you know, passions, life in general of like what they really, really are passionate about cause wise. And so that was mind blowing to me. I made some of the best friends that I'm still in contact with now in through pageant systems that are all over the country. Um, mm. because we shared that common passion for something that we really, yeah. um, wanted to bring to the table in, in through pageantry. So I think that's, that's probably my biggest misconception was I thought, you know, again, pageants are for the, for the pretty ones that just want to wear sparkles, but it's actually, mm. it's, it's women that really want to make a difference and really want to be active and involved in their communities. And if there was someone who's maybe considering entering a pageant and let's say similar to yourself, similar demographic, and let's say mm -hmm. working, mm -hmm. got a career, what advice would you give them if they're considering entering a pageant in terms of where to start or what research to do? 
Yeah, yeah. I think I think some of the the main online resources again, um, uh, websites. Just googling. I literally googled pageant for women over thirty and had had a ton of stuff pop up. So right. <laughs> and uh, and so I think you know starting there and actually really looking at what are you being judged? What is the criteria and what are you being judged? Because every single system, as we know, is very different. And hmm. if you're not feeling so comfortable with you know wearing a swimsuit on stage, there's there's plenty of pageants where you don't have to do that. Or if you're feeling like you know what I. Really really, really want to challenge the glamour aspect and the modeling aspect, then there's plenty of pageants for that too. So I think doing the research, first of all, of finding out what the system is about. I think also doing research on who the past winners have been too is also mm. really important so that you get a feel of like, what is the pageant system actually looking for? And I think all of us, anybody that enters any sort of competition hopes to, hopes to win, you know, even if it's of not the, the end goal, you still have hope. And so I think kind of looking at what are you, um, what, what is the system looking for, I think, is is really helpful for guiding the path. Then as far as life balance, too, for a working woman over 30 that is mm-hmm. you know, thinking that they want to do this for themselves, is carving out time so that you're still doing your life, but looking at this as an added bonus to your life. So it's carving out a few hours, like I said, on the weekend to do the community service, a couple hours during the week to maybe research you know, dresses or makeup or interview skills. And so it turns into a hobby that is incorporated into your life as opposed to a Oh no, what did I just do? I just entered this cram session. <laughs> I got to figure out all the things. So So what are your favorite aspects of the of the pageant competition? Is it the interview and the community service are your two favorite parts? Yeah, interview and community service are my favorite parts because I think I'm I'm I, that's where I do the best. However, secretly mm. is I really really do like the evening gown portion um because, <laughs> because I think it actually speaks to my my dance background as well as I love being on stage. Right. I love wearing a costume, if you will, and performing. And that's really really what it is. My evening gown is horrible by the way, because it's like, it's, it's very, it's very dancey. It's very choreographed, right. if you will. There's probably jazz hands at some point, but, but, <laughs> but, but ultimately is, is I like that. And that is really, um, that's an aspect I grew up with too, of being on stage, being mm. in the spotlight and having, having people, um, you know, enjoy your presence of that on stage. So I do secretly like that, but I think from a, from the aspect of where do I feel most fulfilled is definitely interview right. and, and community service. It's interesting. A lot of the girls that I've interviewed or women that I've interviewed do have that dance background. And the reason mm-hmm. they love pageantry so much is simply being on stage, being on stage. which is where mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of people would have anxiety. They actually thrive off just being on stage and having that adrenaline. Um, a random question. Did, sure. did you struggle to find your evening gown given that you're five foot two? <laughs> yeah. So I, what's, what's fascinating is so it, it goes, the story gets even better. So I, I went on Amazon and I Googled pageant gowns. And of course, everything comes up for four-year-olds, you know, is like kind of the toddlers <laughs> and Tierra stuff. And I'm like, I wonder if they make my size. We'll see now. Um, and so, you know, I did, did again, kind of like, I just need something because we're down to the mm. wire. Of, um, and so I Googled, uh, I think it was, it was pageant gowns for short people. And I had three options come up. So I said, you know what, that one's blue. I like blue. Let's do that one. And so, um, <laughs> interestingly enough, it was a, uh, a foreign company that hand makes all of their dresses and the dress only cost, I think $75, something like that. But it oh, was, wow. it was designed for my measurements and, um, shipped overseas, arrived in a, in a, you know, in a week and was custom tailored basically for me. So, um, so did I struggle finding one that would fit me? Yeah, initially, but I lucked out in, in realizing that there's actually resources overseas where they'll custom make it for you. 
Wow, that's amazing, and that, that's <laughs> yeah. a that's a bargain as well. Seventy five dollars. Oh, You've done right? really well. Yeah, well, tailor made then, for yourself. Even better is I resold it for a hundred, so I actually made money off the pageant. <laughs> <laughs> you might need to um, start a business on that. I think a lot of pageant girls would love to see how they can do that. Uh, just in terms of when you told your friends, family, colleagues, etc., when you were starting yeah. your pageant journey or telling them about the new ones did they have any sort of reaction to it i imagine they must have absolutely absolutely i'm um yeah i'll break it down into a couple of different ways is as i kind of have my my in-person friends you know my ones that are my ride or dies that know who i am they weren't hmm. as surprised because they're like you're always doing something weird so you know this is <laughs> this is weird and so this fits right in with what you sure. do so they were very supportive. My online friend group, which is was was pretty big, they were more like, oh my gosh, because just like we, we've been talking about with social media, I only really post things that are relevant to my career of or what course. I'm interested in at the time. And so when I suddenly revealed, hey, doing the Miss America pageant, everybody thought it was a joke because I posted it on April 1st. And so I was like, yeah, right. That's, <laughs> April not, Fools. Yeah, that's not happening. And I said, oh, but here's actually my fan page and here's when the competition is happening. And um, I got, I, I got a, a lot of like, I can't believe you're doing this. Like, this is not your thing. You're not going to do great to go, go get it. You know, this is, this is mm. great. So through my journey of pageantry, um, it was really neat is so many people were just really excited to see that, um, that what I was involved in was making me happy. So the, the community service aspect, again, um, people knew that I, I really love that and have been involved in it. So seeing that that's actually a big piece of the pageantry world, um, they're like, all right, this, this kind of makes sense. Yeah. My, my, my family was a different story too. So my family, again, they, they, uh, had no idea that I was even looking for something, you know, out of the box to do. And so made the post and both of my parents who, um, you know, are highly educated people and they're kind of like pageants, really, you're working on your doctorate. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so how does this all fit in? And what's amazing about it is my mom and dad also became my biggest fans during the, the pageant journey mm -hmm. because they were new to the pageant scene too, but they, um, were excited to learn about it and grow with me. And so came to, they came to my pageants, you know, they made the signs, the whole deal. And my mom was sharing oh, wow. all my posts and like her friends got into it and they were talking about all the things I'm doing and looking at dresses. And it just kind of was neat to see that the, that something that I was totally foreign to actually mm. became a topic that bonded a lot of my family and my friends and, and showed them a different aspect of myself too. And you mentioned the new year challenges that you yeah. set for yourself in, in, in place of new year's resolutions. So, um, I, I want to ask two questions. One is, sure. did you set one 15 days ago? And two, <laughs> I really like the sound of this. Can you give us some ideas for potential like new year's challenges that we could set ourselves? But I guess first one, have you set one in the last 15 days? Yeah, well, I actually have two. So one is pretty straightforward. It's finished my doctorate. So get the, you know, right. get that done. So that's, that's kind of, sure. kind of the big one. Um, but the second one is say yes more than no. And so what that means is I've really done a, a huge transition in my life. Like I said, in the last couple of months is I went from an area where I was totally focused on work, totally focused on school and isolated because I was living in an area that, um, that even though it was in California, it was very suburban, not a lot of yeah. things to do, not a lot of places to go out. And so I didn't have a huge friend group in person. And mm. I, I, um, I didn't have a lot of connections and I was realizing that that was really wearing on me. So on a whim, I uprooted, I said, I'm going to move to a whole nother city where there's different nightlife, different experiences, different opportunities. Um, and just say yes when opportunities come up. So if people ask me yeah. to go do things, say yes, rather than say, Oh, you know, I can, I got to study because I wasn't used to, you know, having this social life. 
And so even in these last last couple of weeks, um, I've said yes to many invites from people to go and do different things or be involved in different groups. And um, and because of that, I'm making, you know, making new friends, again, learning new yeah. aspects of my life um, that I didn't know could be part of my life. And I'm just kind of on this trajectory now of really yeah. taking advantage of what what comes my way. So if let's say someone watching this or listening to this wanted to emulate your new year's challenge, because sure. I'm liking the sound of it myself. Great. So can you give us some guidelines as to how you might pick a, how you might pick a challenge? Yep. Yep. I think where you just start is actually making a list of all the things that scare you and all the things that you say, I would never, ever do this in a million years. This is actually a really good therapeutic exercise too, to know yourself is you make mm. a truly make a list of all the things and say, Oh, I would never, you know, travel by myself. I'd never go to a movie by myself. I would never do, uh, you know, never enter a pageant, that sort of thing. And the next to it, right. Why? And because the why part is actually your biggest obstacle. And so if it's, right. I would never travel by myself. Why? Because I wouldn't know how to have fun. Like, how do I have fun without having somebody else? And so that's where mm. your challenge starts is maybe not even with the traveling by yourself, but doing, learning how to have fun by yourself is going and doing activities. And so maybe it's the challenge turns into once a month, I take myself out on a date and do something with myself and learn how to, how right. to kind of spend time. Um, so that, that's one angle to start. That's where I started. So I made my list, hmm. all the things that I was like, nope, never in a million years am I going to do that. Got rid of the excuse for why I won't do it. And then put into, into play the actual action plan of how do I make this happen? So I'll go back to even motorcycle riding is probably the, probably the best one for, um, for an example here is I always mm. thought motorcycles are dangerous. Don't ever do it. I still kind of think they're dangerous, but yeah. <laughs> don't ever do it. Don't be a part of it. You know, um, this is not what you do because you're a good girl. There's no way you should be on the back of a bike or even driving one. <laughs> and all of these, when I put it on paper, I realized all the misconceptions and judgments I was making about, um, an activity and even a, a community that I had no part of and no, no understanding of. So, once I said, you know what, let me, let me go learn. I said, how, you know, again, Google is motorcycle classes. And in my area, they, they there are, um, highway patrol actually puts on classes to learn how to ride a motorcycle. Oh, wow. So I right. did a structured motorcycle class. Um, it was me and a bunch of other guys basically, but learned to ride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> learned to ride, um, made friends in the process too there. And, um, and said, you know what, this is actually kind of fun. And so, um, through that realize that I have other friends, um, through social media, that also ride that hadn't really, you know, talked about it much. So we actually kind of, kind of formed a little motorcycle crew in my area. A of, biking uh, gang. Yeah, biking gang of all young professionals that, you know, have kids at home too that need to. So it was kind <laughs> of funny. It. It, was, it was kind of funny. So, um, so that, so going back to, to what we're saying here is I, I think that's probably the best place to start is, is look at what you don't want to do or what you mm. think you don't want to do. Look at the excuses behind it and then figure out a plan to actually get rid of the excuses and just dive in. Cause the, the wonderful thing about a challenge like this is it doesn't mean you have to do it for the rest of your life either. So, you know, yeah. if I, if I hated motorcycle riding, I'd never do it again. And in, um, you know, in fact, in my move, I sold my bike cause I'm like, this isn't a huge part of my life anymore. Mm. Um, but then there's other things that, you know, um, like I said, one of my, my, uh, my challenges was traveling by myself that I, I learned so much from that. And that, that's just a norm now in my life. And so yeah. what you learn from, from your experiences is what do you want to actually incorporate into your life? And what do you say? Nope, I'm good. I tried it. I have the information I need and, and kind of move on to the next thing. So it sounds like if I'm reading this correctly, it's more about addressing the underlying issue or fear that you have more so than the challenge itself. 
Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's less about the, 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 you know, accomplishing the thing or, or the reward at the end. And it truly is mm. more about the journey, right? Is what you, what you learn from it. And since it is something that I, I set for myself and it could be set at any time of the year, to be honest, but what I said for myself is I just want to finish it by the end of the year. And so I want to start it at the beginning of the year, but I want to finish it by the end of the year. And so that might mean that I finish it one month in and then decide, mm-hmm. well, do I want to do something else? Um, or it might mean that I take the entire year, like like pageantry, and this is yeah. a this is a big focus, and there's a culminating event at the end, and um, and a kind of an evaluation process. So um, I just right. think it's phenomenal for for personal growth, yeah. no matter what. It's amazing. Um, I, I'll definitely give that a go because I'm itching yeah. to do something a bit different for the new year. I did <laughs> read. I don't know. If, I don't know if you've heard of Tim Ferriss, but um, in the in the new year, he has this almost like a fear setting mm-hmm. goal exercise. So similar to what you described, identifying your fears mm-hmm. and then working out what what they mean, and then setting yourself objectives based on that. Yeah. Um, Kristen, just before we go to the final ten questions, um, sure. for people to get in contact with you, mm-hmm. I mean maybe for pageantry or maybe because they they see you and they want you to be their therapist (laughs) what's the best way to get in contact with you yeah probably social media is the best so on instagram my handle is at chris ruth and i'll spell it it's k-r-i-s R-O-U-T-H. You can also find me on Facebook under Kristen Ruth. And there are a couple uh, fan pages from my past pageants on there. Um, also, MissInnerGalacticInternational.com is the website for the pageant system. You can contact the director there and also uh, contact me directly through there for um, if there's any you know appearances or even, even just questions mm-hmm. that you have. Perfect. And um, finally, is there anyone that you want to give a shout out to for supporting you along the journey? Pageantry, bikey gang or otherwise? Exactly. That's, that's a long list, right? I feel like my, my Academy Award moment here now. Mm. I definitely, definitely the, the, the director of Miss Intergalactic International, Joyce, um, has just been phenomenal. I think her vision is fantastic. I think that, you know, it's like any system um, that is new, it, it takes some time to grow, but I really encourage people to, to check it out because she has such a vision, such a passion. It's coming from a place that truly is a desire for her to mm. help other people and provide an opportunity for other people. And I think that when you're coming from that aspect it's a really beautiful thing so perfect all right Kristen. final yeah. 10 questions and, and right. this is about as pageantesque as we'll get just so <laughs> you know it's not rapid fire a lot of people okay. assume because i say final 10 that you have like a 30 second timer right. we don't you can be as <laughs> verbose or non-verbose as you want so okay. question one what is your favorite word oh that's a good one uh it's gonna have to be gustavo and Gustavo is the name of my bulldog. And he is my <laughs> best friend, my companion. And he's currently snoring over on the couch right now. He looks like a splatted meatball. But uh, <laughs> Gustavo, Gustavo is, was my, my dream dog where I always wanted something sloppy that had a really big name attached to it. And he is the epitome of that. So whenever I see him, he makes me smile. Whenever I talk about him, he makes me smile. And um, everybody in my, my area knows who Gustavo is. So that's my favorite word. Right. Question two, what is your least favorite word? Oh, that's a good one too. Um, you know, probably there, there's a couple, but I'll, I'll go with the one that, that kind of jumps into my head first is, um, is 
well, <laughs> is inappropriate. And the inappropriate, and I don't mean the word is inappropriate, but the actual word inappropriate. Mm. Um, and the reason I say that is I, there's been a lot of times in my life where somebody has says, Hey, that's inappropriate where it's, it's not because of my behavior necessarily, but you know, that's not the right time for how you want to do things. And I think that yeah. that was, that's very limiting. So even to the point where in dance, it was inappropriate that I was, I had the body type that I had, you know, pageantry, it's inappropriate that you would want to enter a pageant when you're five, two, that, you know, and kind of have having those words. And I think, um, if you attach yourself to the, to that word that it's inappropriate, um, and you're letting somebody else define what's appropriate for you, it's extremely limiting. So, um, so kind of going from a a bigger sense, I don't like using that word. I never really Mm. use that word. And, um, I, uh, I think that that's probably the thing that maybe triggers me a little bit too. Yeah, that you probably hear that a lot in in your sessions in your in your yeah. career as well. A lot of people saying that they can't do it because it's inappropriate because, and therefore yep, holding themselves yep. back. Yeah, right, yep, exactly. Question three: In life, what gets you excited or what turns you on? Yeah, the thing that gets me excited the most is helping other people and seeing them change. And I know that probably sounds like a like a foo foo answer coming from a therapist, but that's also why I do what I do. Is I myself have been in pretty low places and have had people help me to get me out of those places. And realizing that moment when you cross from I feel hopeless into wow, there's actually hope. Um, mm. is, is amazing. And when you can see that and be part of that process for somebody else that you're helping, I think that's one of the biggest blessings in life of being mm. able to, to help somebody find their happy or even just their hope for that moment or for that time period that you're with them. Because it really is just, I think that's what human connection is all about is helping each other be better people. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, question four, what turns you off? Yeah, I think the the biggest thing that turns me off is people telling me what to do. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all. And I mean, uh, also probably why I'm single and not married. But <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> but uh, it could the, be. You just need to find be, the right person. Could be right. <laughs> so yeah. Um, yeah, no, I I this kind of goes back to what we're we're saying too. Is I appreciate leaders. I really do, and I I respect leaders, and I respect people who um who need to take charge in order to uh to, to help others or, you know, or guide the path. But when somebody tells me what to do without an explanation behind it or a purpose behind it, that's an immediate, uh, uh-uh, not going to happen. So, uh, so that's also probably why this year I'm also trying to say yes, a lot more than no, because when people are like, you know, let's go downtown at four in the morning. And I'm like, no, that sounds awful. You know, don't tell me what to do. It's, it's more of like, all right, let me, let me kind of take this in. Is this something that, that, you know, could challenge me, could be a good thing. Um, so, so yeah, so there you go. Telling me what to do. I probably need to work on that a little bit more. That might be next year. I'll, I'll be more flexible next year. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Question five, what sound or noise do you love? Oh, let's see. You know, this is probably super weird. Is is uh, the sound, and you probably won't know it unless you're actually in this world, but the sound of a point shoe, a ballet shoe that is fresh, meaning you just got it. It's hard like a like a brick, basically. And when you walk onto a wood floor the first time, it's it's this really unique sound of like a rock on hitting wood. And um, mm. but it's done in a very you're obviously dancing while you're doing it, and it's done in a very um, systematic way. So what is kind of an ugly sound of something hard hitting hitting wood mm. actually sounds really pretty because it is mm. done in a choreographed way. So I know that's 
that sounds weird, but whenever I hear that, if I'm taking dance classes or, or see it in a movie or whatever, it just like instantly sets me back into the, the world of ballet. That's very, very specific. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I love it. What sound or noise do you hate? Yeah. Um, somebody breathing through a mustache. And this is, this, this is a trigger. <laughs> so this is a trigger that goes back probably to my, my time growing up when I was in church and we'd be sitting, you know, in the pews and mm. listening to the sermon and everything's really quiet. And then there's old men with mustaches sitting behind me and it just goes whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. And I would be <laughs> so distracted by it. I'm like, I'm trying to have a moment with God here. And all I hear is your nasals <laughs> with the hair. And, and so, yeah, so that, that's a little, that's, that's probably a, a, probably my least favorite sound I would have, I would think. <laughs> Uh, that, that's fair enough. I think we can understand that. Uh, question seven. If you could have any one superpower, what would you pick and why? I think uh, from personally and just for professionally is being able to read people's minds uh, because I think the, the obviously from a therapist aspect, you only get what they give you. And so you mm. have to kind of fill in the pieces. And so if somebody says, you know, I'm sad, it's, there's so many layers to that of what does that really mean? What yeah. are you thinking about when you're saying that? Or even like, you know, I'm happy. It's like, there's so many layers to that as well. And, um, as a therapist, you have to look at all the other stuff, the body cues, the language, the word choice that's being used. And it's a lot of work to fill in the pieces that is essentially a guess of how the person actually mm. is truly feeling. So if I could read minds, that would be phenomenal. It'd also be great too, for, for my dating life. So. <laughs> that might be cheating a little bit. <laughs> Question eight, what occupation other than your own would you most like to attempt? That's a good one. Uh, probably join the military is I've, oh, with wow. my, yeah, with my work, um, w with that population, there's such a discipline and such a, a brotherhood, sisterhood that, um, mm. and a, and a selflessness that's also attached to that. Um, that I, you don't find that in a lot of other settings, especially in, in a, in a workforce. And to, to think too, that especially with military is that you're working towards a common goal for people that you don't even know. That's, that's mm. a really, really huge, uh, huge sacrifice. And so, um, that culture has really fascinated me. I'm obviously not, you know, beyond the age of even enlisting at that point, but I think the, the, uh, um, of being able to be involved in that community has really yeah. kind of sparked my interest too about what other opportunities are there for me. Yeah, absolutely. Question nine, what occupation other than your own would you definitely not like to attempt? Being a chef, man. So I, that's a quick answer too, man. So I Very love, quick. Yeah. I love a bit too cooking. quick. <laughs> I love cooking, but I hate making um, all the prep work and the decisions about cooking. And so uh, love, I really do. I love, love cooking, but I hate the having to go to the grocery store and pick the ingredients <laughs> and do all the chopping and then wait for it to cook because I'm really hungry and then doing the cleanup and all this. There's so many, so many steps to it. So I think from a chef's aspect of having people, again, telling you what to do too, they're putting their orders in and saying, make me this, that would yeah. just be a really bad combination for me. <laughs> yeah, I don't think people want to go to a restaurant, tell the chef what to make, and the chef decides, you know what, I'm just going to make whatever I want. No, this is what I, I feel like today, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't think that would go down particularly well, but who knows. Uh, final question, Kristen, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Yeah, job well done. And whatever that means is because I, you know, I, I, I am a Christian. I do believe in God. I feel that there, each one of us has been given a purpose and given, 
um, specific blessings and skills and the right people at the right times in order to make things happen. I've seen that alive in my own work and my own life. And so I know that my journey is not done and I would love to be able to, you know, enter in the gates of heaven and everything makes sense. And it makes sense mm -hmm. because I've done exactly what I was supposed to accomplish. Perfect. Okay. Well, Kristen, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I've enjoyed this and I appreciate, uh, appreciate you connecting people too, to the world of pageantry and giving more insight into what this is all about. Well, as you very well know, yeah. it's a very interesting world, isn't it? A very varied world. Very much so. And I'm going to thank everyone for watching. Um, Chris and I'll keep you on the line for just a sec, um, sure. but we will speak to you next time. What's up, guys? It's Adrian again. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Remember to head over to pageantlaunch.com. Join our launch team for our review site. It's super important to all of us to make sure that the industry is safe, transparent, and fair. So head over to pageantlaunch.com, write in your email address, and we'll speak to you next time.